Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we welcome special guest Jamie Beckler as he shares his family's adoption story from a guy's point of view. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. I'm excited to be back with you again and talking about domestic infant adoption. That's what this podcast is all about. And I welcome you. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, We have a special uh, episode today talking about an adoption story from a guy's point of view. Uh, But before we get to that, I want to make sure if you have not already subscribed to the show, there's multiple ways to do that. And so you just make sure you get every episode uh, sent right to your computer or your device. And I made it easy for you to do that. You can just go to infantadoptionguide.com. There's a top of the page. There's a podcast button. Click that. And right at the top of that page, there's five different ways to subscribe to the show. Stitcher Radio or iTunes or iHeartRadio or Google Play or even the TuneIn app. So you can just click on any one of those and subscribe to the show, get it sent to you automatically, and you won't miss an episode. So thank you for doing that. And while you're there, if you wouldn't mind, especially on iTunes, leave a review. If you like the show, I'd love it if you'd leave a review and just uh, let us know what you think of it, think of the show. Okay, so our guest on the show is Jamie Beckler. He is a professional speaker. He's a leadership trainer, an executive business coach who works with teams ranging from major corporations to the NBA. But before going into full-time leadership work, he served for 20 years as a basketball coach in college and a professor and an administrator. And now he travels across the country speaking to groups and teams on how to reach their full potential and become people of influence. So uh, what I love about him is that he's also a a dad through adoption. And he's appeared on both radio and TV as a guest expert on various topics. And he even has his own podcast called Success is a Choice. In addition to five ebooks he wrote, he also wrote a, a book called The Leadership Playbook, Become Your Team's Most Valuable Leader. So today he's going to come on and share his family's adoption story from a guy's point of view. Jamie and his wife Tabitha brought their son Jalen into their family in November of 2009. And you're going to love hearing his point of view, uh, just how uh, adoption wasn't always in his plans, but he came around and uh, he's glad he, that he did. So let's get into the interview right now with Jamie Beckler. Welcome, Jamie. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Tim. It's uh, great to be with you today. Well, thanks for coming on. You know, we don't get too many guys on the show, uh, so I really appreciate you coming on, talking about your story uh, from a guy's point of view. It's I think it's pretty powerful, not just for the guys to listen to, but also the women who uh, are, you know, ingrained in this adoption journey themselves, and they want to hear from guys sometimes about what the guys are thinking about or are doing as they head into the journey and uh, actually adopt and what they think and what life is like for them as an adoptive dad. So I really appreciate you coming on and uh, telling your story. I especially love uh, some of the blog posts that you wrote. Uh, We'll get into that in a minute, but I I love your perspective that you weren't always on board with your adoption journey, which is fine. It's not actually uh, that unique in my experience. I've I've talked to quite a few guys that weren't always uh, quite on board. And uh, in fact, that's my first question, really. On your blog, jamiebeckler.com, you you have a post called That Time My Wife Got Her Way, dot, 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 and I was glad. (laughs) And it talks a bit about your adoption journey. Can you just talk about that post and why you wrote it, how it fits into your story? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, hitting hitting me, uh, bringing it bringing it right up, uh, right right away. That's that's good. You know, it's like giving me a paper cut and then pouring lemon juice on it. But uh, you know, uh, you know, it, uh, my journey. It was uh, you know that that article was written from the point of view that I was somebody who really didn't want kids um, when it came down to it. Uh, I, I might have said I did, um, and I did that primarily out of. Uh, you know, just that's what my wife wanted to hear. And so I was being nice and I kept thinking that I could keep putting it off, keep putting it off, keep putting it off. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I moved around, we moved around a lot cause I was a college basketball coach. And so it never seemed the right time, uh, or whatever. There was always excuses why we wouldn't have kids. And finally she kind of put down her, you know, she drew a line and, and said, you know, we, we need to have kids now. It's been about 10 years. It's, it's time. And, uh, you know, we ended up deciding we were going to adopt and, uh, which was actually fine with me, uh, relatively speaking, because I knew the adoption process took a while. And so I could kind of keep putting it off. And then my thought was, well, eventually we'll be too old and it'll be easy to talk her out of that crazy idea of having kids because, uh, you know, I'd heard people that had been in the system two or three years without getting, uh, having a child available to them. And so I thought that that might be us. And so I could keep putting it off. And, uh, eventually, um, you know, it didn't become us. We weren't the ones that waited two or three years. Uh, we waited less than a month, um, mm. after we got the final approval less than a month later, there was a lady that uh, chose us and looked after looking at our portfolio. And so uh, we got a call that uh, we were going to have uh, that, that someone had chosen us and that it was uh, we, they wanted us to meet with this lady, uh, this birth mother. And so uh, we went and met with her. We knew that baby was due about two weeks later, which to me was crazy. Um, That was, that was way too quick. And, uh, but we ended up, uh, uh, meeting with her. And one of the first things that was said when we met with the lady and, and then the social worker, uh, the people at Bethany Christian services was that, uh, she was really excited. She said, I just got back from the doctor and they said that they can induce labor. And so they're going to do that on Wednesday. And, you know, I did a real quick count and I didn't have to use more than one hand because it was five days away. So <laughs> not only did I not like the 12 days or the, or the 14 days that it looked like, but now it was, they were telling us five days. And so, uh, in those five days, I did my best persuading my best arguing (laughs) to my wife, every reason you can ever imagine. Um, they, some of them didn't even make sense. I was just throwing shot. I was using the shotgun approach and throwing everything out there and nothing stuck. She kept refuting and, and, you know, uh, putting up a force field or something shielding, you know, deflecting everything that I threw out there. And, uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I go a little bit further into it in the article, but essentially at the end of the day, I was really glad that she got her way and that I didn't, uh, my whole, you know, my, our whole life as a married couple for about 10 years was kind of revolving around me and my job and my career was first. Um, not necessarily over our relationship, but we, our relationship revolved around the job and wherever we would have a college coaching job or my career, that's where uh, that, that would dictate what we did as a family. And so, uh, 
uh, you know, I had been used to kind of getting my way. Um, and, and she agreed with all those moves and, and she agreed with kind of the vision and the goals that we had as a couple until the, until finally she had had enough. She wanted kids and she wanted it for real. Um, this time it wasn't just kind of talk, you know, of, of early on in a marriage where you might talk about that someday. It was real now. And so, uh, I was really glad, even though I was very stubborn, I was glad that she definitely got her way. So, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of a snapshot. Um, you know, we can certainly fill in some of the gaps if you want. Yeah. Did you, I mean, during that 12 days, which turned into really five days and you kind of pleading your case, uh, how, what made you turn the corner and just go, yeah, okay, I accept this. Was it just flat out talking to your wife about it? Or did she say anything in particular that made you go, okay, I'm, I'm good. Well, she used, she used a couple, uh, um, you know, I, I felt were low blows, not really, but, you know, I felt that that was, you know, Trump cards. One of them was the, uh, well, you should love me more than you don't want to have a kid right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and she'd used that once before, but it wasn't as serious when, you know, you should love me more than you hate going to the opera. <laughs> um, you know, and then the second one was, you know, it looks like everything is fitting together and that it's God's timing. Mm. And I mean, anytime anyone drops that card, it's like, well, how can I argue with that? Even if it's not true, how can you argue with that? Cause you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, those two things plus just the realization as we're going through it, and this actually was probably God working on my mind or something, but just the realization kind of that, you know what, if I do truly love my wife, then I need to respect her wishes and, and, and cherish and, and her feelings and, you know, because this isn't like, Hey, Jamie, you know, I think we should, uh, change the the color of our wallpaper (laughs) or Jamie, I think we need to get a pet. You know, getting a kid is, is a major life changing deal. I mean, it's, it's not just changes your life, but it, it's a legacy type thing. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a thing for the future. You know, it's a generational decision. So, when my wife is that strong about something that that's, that is that significant and important, then I need to listen to her. Um, and I need to cherish and respect her wishes on those kind of things. And if I do truly love her, then, then I need to, uh, need to try to make that happen and, and, uh, realize that I can't control everything in life. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know what the future holds, but, but I do know that if that's what she wants, then we'll work through this together. Yeah. And you mentioned Bethany Christian services helped you. Did you have some conversations with them that helped or did they talk to you about your feelings and thoughts about adopting? Uh, we did a little bit, you know, they, they were excellent. I, I would highly recommend them. They were, they were great for helping us through this, the, the process. I don't, I'm pretty sure that they didn't know, you know, how much I really didn't want kids mm-hmm. um, when it comes down to it. But you know, I, I didn't really want kids, but then all during the process or during the main like training process, or I, I probably shouldn't even say training process. I, I forget what they called it, but when you would go meet with them and, and other people um, and you got all kinds of information, but it was almost like a support group as well. That took place. The bulk of those meetings took place, happened to take place during uh, March Madness, during oh, wow. the college basketball tournament season. And so I missed a number of basketball games because I, 
I missed watching a number of the basketball games because I was at these meetings. So that kind of, you know, I already had kind of a, a, a bad taste in my mouth about this. And then all of a sudden we're meeting and discussing stuff I don't want to be discussing while I'm missing my favorite time of the year. So once again, another selfish type thing. Uh, so, so, you know, if I did portray an attitude that maybe wasn't, wasn't positive, it was, you know, could easily be passed off as, well, I just don't want to be here right now because, you know, it's NCAA tournament time, not, I don't want to be here at all, period. Um, so I could kind of pass it off and fake it a little bit, but the people at Bethany Christian were great throughout the whole process and, and they really helped alleviate some of my fears you know, at, at being a dad or, or, you know, being a future dad, I really had some fears about what, what that would look like. You know, I know other people had done it and I know a lot of people have screwed up at being a dad. And so I was like, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready. You know, I'm, I'm doing this stuff with basketball or I'm a full-time, you know, I'm working, you know, 16, 18, 20 hour days every single day. You know, when am I going to have time to be a father? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so they alleviated some of those fears as well. Um, but, uh, you know, my wife and I probably talked more during that process than, than any time else other than, you know, like right before we were married, like during the engagement. So we had a lot of conversation, which was good um, because it is such a life-changing uh, decision. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like it. Sounds like you guys really did a, a good job of, of, of working through all the issues and I know it's not just you. I mean, almost any couple that goes into the adoption journey, it's a, it's an ordeal that you got to work through. It's uh, not something easy or to take lightly. And, and uh, I appreciate you being so honest about it. Cause I know there was, <laughs> there was uh, times that, uh, yeah, like you said, you had to kind of eat crow a little bit and uh, kind of suck it up and, and do what was right. And I applaud you for doing that. And, and not only that, but admitting it and being honest and open with it. Uh, I wanted to get in your story a little bit deeper, talking about the time when you actually adopted. So you, you said it went quick. You had basically five days notice, right? Become a first time yeah. dad. Can you explain what it was like when you when you found out that you were going to adopt and this is going to happen? It's going to be you know, five days away. And then maybe even what it was like when you met the birth mom. You met her prior to the birth, correct? Yes, we met her. Uh, we met her uh, those five days previous, and you know she had the day before, not the day before we met, but the day before the phone call. So maybe just a couple days previous, um, she had watched on TV this this trailer for a movie called uh, The Blind Side, and and on that movie, The Blind Side, you know, she just she just fell in love with the concept of having somebody, you know, in athletics adopt her son and that her son would grow up in an athletic family. And when she went through our portfolio, she had watched this movie trailer the night before she, she went through a whole bunch of uh, booklets and, and folders and portfolios. And she found ours and loved that I coached basketball. We were around college age kids all the time, but that we didn't have any pets and we didn't have any kids of our own so that we would love on our son or love on her son, but that her son would still grow up around uh, other people. And so she loved that idea. And, and that was a major selling point why she picked us, you know, because there's so many great adoptive families out there. And even though there's a lot of 
kids that are up for adoption, you know, there sometimes birth or uh, adopted families go a long time without getting selected. And so we were very fortunate to be selected less than a month later. And so, you know, she looked at our portfolio, loved it. Uh, we met with her. And then in that five days after meeting with her, you know, like I said, we, I did try to still uh, get away from it. Uh, I still tried to use a bunch of arguments, but from a practical standpoint, and one of the arguments I did use was that we are not ready whatsoever, mm. like logistically. There's there's n- no way we can bring a kid into our house because we're not ready. We don't have a room ready for them. Um, you know, we don't have any material, any equipment, any clothes, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, wouldn't you know, our, our Sunday school class did an absolute bang-up job. They come <laughs> up, they paint stuff, they bring I mean, they bring strollers, they bring cribs, they bring all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was, it was just crazy. And I'm like, you know, smiling, you know, the fake smile, like, Hey, thanks guys. Great. Wonderful. Appreciate you. Um, and I mean, i certainly was appreciative, but I was like, you know, it's hard to argue that when all these great people are doing nice things for you. Um, so, but you know, so we spent five days working, painting rooms and all that kind of stuff and, and getting everything ready. And then uh, one of the things, too, was we were right during our season. And so, uh, you know, when I did a real quick count. And, you know, when she told us it was five days away, I understood that that meant that it would be we would have a game that day. Mm-hmm. And so actually our opening game of the season was that night. And so, uh, you know, certainly that was one of those things that I argued for, too. But, you know, what that showed me. It's amazing. Most of us in our lives, we think we're irreplaceable or we think that, you know, life won't go on if we don't do something. But you know what? I was a college basketball coach, a head coach. It was our opening game. And you know what? The season went on without me and the game went on without me. And my assistant did a great job. We won the game without me, you know, but uh, it, it was tough not being there um, for that game. But, you know, when when we went to the hospital that morning, you know, the whole time leading up, I was completely naive to the fact that I thought that essentially you hold the baby for a couple hours, you smile, you take a bunch of pictures, and then you can leave the hospital, um, which is completely naive. And all the women listening to this that have gone through this are just shaking their heads right now. But that's what I thought. I thought that, all right, it's scheduled for eight o'clock in the morning. I'll be back. I'll be back on campus by noon. Well, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, and in retrospect, I just can't believe that I even had that thought, but that's what I thought. And, uh, my athletic director and and some close friends kept saying, no, it's not going to happen. You're, you're going to miss the game. You got to get prepared for that. And I'm like, no, no, I'll be back. Trust me. I'll be back. Well, they knew better because they had had kids before. (laughs) So, uh, obviously I didn't make the game and, uh, we stayed a couple nights in the, in the hospital. And, uh, yeah, we were able to take Jalen home from the hospital, which was, which was just great. And, uh, and then, you know, our team was great with Jalen and, you know, it, it, it was good from there on out. Um, you know, but it was, uh, it was an interesting couple of days. Um, you know, and certainly it was nice to have family support. You know, my, my family, my parents came down, uh, for a few days, uh, we lived in Tennessee at the time and, and my family lived in Michigan and my wife's family lived in Ohio. And so they kind of took turns coming down and staying with us, which was also very helpful. So they were very supportive of 
the whole adoption situation and how you were doing this and going about it and all that? Yeah, they were. They uh, they were all excited to have a, a grandson, and uh, yeah, they were they were real. Uh, yeah, they just loved it. Um, you know, they just it, it, it was it was great, and uh, you know, they just uh, even though he was adopted, Jalen was adopted. Uh, both both sets of uh, parents of grandparents uh, were completely acceptive, um, you know, and it was like, you know, he's he's our own. It's like you guys conceived him. It didn't mm. matter. It was awesome. it was he's he's part of our family now. And and you know, you wonder about that. Um, you wonder how people are going to take it, um, and you and you're never a hundred percent sure. Um, and, and people are going to say all the right things, just like I said, all the right things in our marriage about wanting to have kids, even though I didn't truly believe it. And so they said all the right things, you know, oh, we'll accept him, you know, and you're wondering, and then you see their actions and you're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's true. And then you watch their actions through the years, you know, as being a baby, you know, that, that period rubs off. Um, and then he gets to be a little stinker. You know, or he gets to be someone that is disobedient or, you know, doesn't do what he's supposed to do all the time. And, you know, it's like, all right, well, the grandparents still are accepting. Like it's, it's real. They, they really accept him as, as their own. You can't ask for more than that. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I'd like you to explain what it was like when you first met your son. So you're there in the hospital, he's born. Did you meet him right away or? Yeah. Well, um, you know, it was, uh, what the, one of the main things I remember is, you know, in our hospital, in the hospital room, there was a room off of where, um, the birth mother was at and where they gave birth. There was, there was this little room that led to a door to the outside. And, and I, I stayed in that room the whole time. And, and the nurses thought, the nurses and the doctors thought it was because I didn't like blood or because it was gross. And, and that was completely not the case that I, I don't get squeamish. It was completely because I wanted to be respectful of the birth mother and I didn't want to be in there while she's, you know, doing her thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not my wife. Uh, now my wife was in the room with her, but I didn't want to be in there. I didn't think that that was my place. Um, and, and I didn't feel like I could add anything to that. So I was off into this little room, but, but the interesting thing, or what I thought was a little humorous about that was they all thought that I was in there because I was squeamish. <laughs> but then when Jalen was born and they cut the umbilical cord and, and had all that, they actually brought that into the room right past me and put it in the sink where I was stand <laughs> next to where I was standing because that's where there was a sink. So even though they thought that I was squeamish, they didn't even think about, well, we'll just walk all this stuff past him. So that's just kind of, to me, was a little, uh, one of those humorous little things that didn't make sense. But, you know, I got to hold him real soon afterwards. And, uh, but we really tried, um, we really tried to let, uh, the birth mom hold on to Mm Jalen the whole time Mm -hmm. that she was there. Um, as long as she was there, we really tried to let her have, have Jalen, um, and hold him and and be with him. And even though that's risky, because, you know, you, you definitely, you know, when you give birth to somebody, you're going to have, uh, stronger feelings than before you gave birth. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's always that risk of, 
but you know, that kind of remorse or I don't want to give him up. And, and we ran the risk of that. And, and people told us that, but they also said our, our social people, our social workers said that the best thing to do was let her have the baby, you know, as long as she wanted. But then as soon as she was ready to give him up, then it was over. You know, we would take him away or the nurses would take him away and that stuff, but be very respectful of her. And it worked for us. I can't say it would work in every situation because everybody's different, but you know, we, we got to hold them quite a while um, later on. So I, I let essentially, I mean, I got to hold him, got to be with him for a little bit, but we tried to let it be the birth mom's time for that first hour, hour and a half, pretty much. Yeah. And when you're sitting there holding him for the first time, are you thinking, wow, this is real. This is my son. What were, you, what were you thinking? Okay. I have a lot of, <laughs> you know, yes, it still is not totally real like that, though. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when we took him home from the hospital, that's when it became real mm-hmm. because it was like, oh, wait, you mean you nurses don't come with us? <laughs> wait a minute. Where's the manual? I mean, I know there's I know there's Google. I know there's the Internet. But what what do we do now? Like, you're just let you're just letting us leave with this little kid mm-hmm. and we're going to put him in this car. And, you know, that, that's when it became real. As long as we were at the hospital, it, it was still almost like a dream mm-hmm. type thing. But when I first held him, uh, honestly, I mean, it wasn't very sophisticated thinking. When I held him, my first thoughts were, I didn't realize they were this little. <laughs> um, he was so small. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty much my main thought was he's so little. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that's... <laughs> And you're right about the realistic thing happening when you get home because, yeah, you're all of a sudden it's just you two and your son. And what are we going to do with him? <laughs> how, do, how do we take care of him? What do we got to do? Yeah, all those thoughts go through your head. And, and uh, did you have any? Well, of course. Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Well, and, and this, this probably, I've heard that this is mainly for our firstborn. So it doesn't matter if you have an adopted kid or a natural kid but you treat your firstborn like you almost want to put them in a bubble, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're afraid every single thing that you do is the wrong thing. And then I've heard, you know, when you have your second kid, it's like anything goes, <laughs> but you know, so we're, we're taking them home and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know anything what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, should, should he even be in a car right now? Mm-hmm. Not that we'll get in an accident, but is this even the right environment? Or, you know, Oh, you know, what if, what if, he gets some cold weather, you know, in his lungs or something, or what if, you know, you know, every, you know, hundred what ifs are going through my mind, um, you know, because you don't know because it's your first kid. Um, and whether he's adopted or not, that, that doesn't go away. I think, I think you're just, you have a, you have a crisis of confidence, um, because you just don't know what you're doing. Right. Yeah, that is true. Uh, so I just wanted to make it clear. You, you, adopted your son they were in the same town as you is that correct you didn't you didn't travel uh relatively speaking uh we we technically weren't in the same town um but uh we they lived in chattanooga and we lived in a town about 35 minutes north of there okay but but we but we went to church in the same we went to church in chattanooga uh that was the main place that we would go so so it was about 35 minutes away um, so yeah, it was still, it, it was still, uh, relatively close enough. And, and the birth mom, actually, she had, uh, 
you know, all of her relatives lived in Chattanooga, but she really kept this from a lot of them. Uh, she kind of went into seclusion in a way, mm -hmm. um, when she started to show and, and fortunately for her, she didn't show as much as most people do when, when they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them didn't know that she was pregnant. Um, and, and one of her fears was that if her family knew that, that they would try to, uh, that they would try to, uh, keep her from giving, mm -hmm. giving the son, her son mm -hmm. up for adoption. Yeah. So do you have, uh, or did you talk with her about what kind of contact she'd like after the birth or after placement with you guys? Did you, did that ever come up? If, does she want to see pictures or any updates of him? Yeah, we, uh, my wife did, my, my wife does a great job of that on, on that. Uh, and the same as she does the great job of sending out birthday cards and Christmas gifts to relatives and all that stuff. She handles that, the memory stuff and the, the niceness part. And so one of the things she's done is, is she's done a great job of keeping in touch, uh, with the birth mom. And, and we send, uh, pictures, uh, regularly. Uh, she writes notes. Um, we receive notes and then, uh, and then with Facebook, uh, you know, that's, that's been easier, um, to keep in touch. Um, you know, we, we kind of put down some soft boundaries early on. Um, just, you know, Hey, we, if you want to be a part of his life, that that's completely fine. We just want to, uh, you know, if you want to visit or if you ever want to talk to him or, or whatever, you know, we just want to discuss that ahead of time just to make sure it's the right situation, but we're not closing you out by any, any stretch of the imagination. But what we don't want is just, you know, uh, we don't want it to kind of be publicized or, or you to let all your relatives know where we live. And we don't want, you know, just someone, including you, just showing up at the front door one day mm -hmm. and being like, hey, I'm here to see Jalen. Um, we don't have a problem with you seeing him. We just don't want it to be on the spur of the moment um, because we want to prepare him and prepare ourselves as well and make sure it's the right time. And, and uh, but he knows um, he knows that he has a, a birth mom. And, and in fact, last spring he met her for the first time. Oh, awesome. Um, so he was seven, seven years old. Um, we met them for the first time and, uh, it was nice. Um, it was, it was a good thing and we got a lot of pictures taken and, uh, he enjoyed it. I, I don't know if he truly under, he knows he, on one level, but I don't think he fully grasped the concept of, mm -hmm. of it all. Um, you know, he understands and, and certainly, you know, uh, he, he knows that our skin colors are different. Um, he knows that there's a difference there, but he doesn't fully grasp, um, every day, um, the, the concept of being adopted. Um, you know, he's, he's off and on with that, but you know, and that's, you know, we, we've had talks with him, you know, and he's met uh, his birth mom, but we don't, we don't talk about it a whole lot, um, outside of a few times. And, but, you know, he'll see pictures and, and, you know, that's good. And, and she'll, she'll make comments about pictures on Facebook and that's nice as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, every situation is a little bit different, you know, fortunately for us, the communication was good. Fortunately for us, uh, she, she has good, um, with wanting him to have his own life. 
and she's been okay with not being a part of his life, like actively. And, and I, I've got to think that that's a difficult thing for somebody. Absolutely. Um, and I, I forget how much time it is, but there's a certain amount of time after the adoption where we take Jalen home that still birth mom could have uh, second thoughts. And so it's not until you actually go in front of a judge. And, and I'm thinking it's like 30 days or 60 days, something like that, whatever it was. And so we were kind of holding our breath a little bit during that time because the dad was not in the picture. Mm-hmm. And we were afraid that the dad would get back in the picture and that the dad would not want, um, would not want Jalen to be adopted. And so we were kind of holding our breath during that time. But then when we went in front of the judge, you know, and it was official, then that was kind of like a huge weight lifted off of our shoulders. And, and the birth mom kept telling us, no, the dad's not going to be a part of it. I'll make sure of that. <laughs> so, you know, that was good. I was, I was hoping, well, I'm not sure how you're going to make that happen, but I, I hope that you do it. And I hope it's, you know, I hope that uh, he stays out of the process. Um, and, and that, you know, Jalen's able to have, uh, you know, this, this future here with us. Um, so yeah, it, it worked out well and, you know, eight years, he's eight years old and, and, uh, it's been great. That's awesome. Yeah. What a great, great story. I, I, so many cool things that come out of that and I can, I can see, I can feel the love you have for him, uh, just uh, in your voice and how you tell the story and. It's amazing how uh, you've kind of made this big turnaround, really, of not really wanting to have kids, too. Now you've got this <laughs> son that you love, and, uh, and he's very much part of your family, and uh, and you still keep in touch with the with his birth mom, which is awesome. I think that's it's going to be, in my experience, I mean, our kids are just 11, 5, and 1, so and all of them are adopted, and it's a process and how you explain their adoption story and how they just come to know more and more and more about adoption and what it means to be adopted. And that's part of who they are and that's okay. So I, I can tell that's happening with you guys too. And that's, that's great. We haven't, we haven't dealt yet with, and I imagine it's going to be coming because kids can be kids sometimes, but we've had periodically Jalen will say something that someone said something at school and uh, it's been, it's not been mean yet. There's been nothing mean said that we, we know of, but there'll be times when uh, he'll come home and he'll say, why is my skin color different? Or he'll come home and say, do I really have two mommies? Mm-hmm. You know, where he understands that, but he doesn't fully grasp it. But somebody at school said something like, well, those aren't your real mommy and daddy mm-hmm. or, or you have two mommies or you have two daddies or whatever they'll say, you know, kids being kids. And, and my hope is that, you know, kids don't end up being mean, you know, and, and, and saying stuff like, you know, well, your, your mom didn't like you or, you know, you weren't wanted. So that's why you were adopted, which would be, which is, is in almost all situations is totally false. Mm -hmm. It's not that the person doesn't want the kid. Uh, It's, it's actually, a lot of times it's showing that they love you. <laughs> they love you completely. Absolutely. They love you a lot that they want to give you a better life than they can provide. And so, uh, you know, we've, we've had to have some talks with him, but he's been very, he's been okay with all that. And, and hopefully that'll continue to be that way. Well, I can tell you're kind of a confident guy too, and I'm sure you can instill some confidence in him to say, Hey, you know what? I, yeah, I, I have a birth mom 
and my mom and they both love me and I got twice the amount of love. That's okay. And I get twice the amount <laughs> I get twice the amount of gifts too. I get more presents at Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, but you're right, you know, and you know, and, and fortunately in our case we don't have to spin it. We you know, anything we tell him is is going to be the truth pretty mm-hmm. much. I mean, yeah. we don't have to spin it. His right. mom did want him to have a better life mm-hmm. and and chose us and and we chose him you know and as much as you know maybe i was against having kids i certainly wasn't against having jalen i was just against having kids in general because i was selfish and fortunately you know as we started off talking about my wife got her way and essentially you know metaphorically she slapped me around a little bit and 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 you know i wised up and realized that i was being selfish and and that you know here's a child that that needs a loving home and uh we need to provide that and and we need to be available to, to be available for that call when when uh you know someone's in need you know um and and so that was something that we were willing to do as we wrap up here, what are some tips that you could give hopeful adoptive parents, somebody maybe listening to this that, you know, thinking about adoption or maybe they started the adoption process already and, and maybe even a, a guy out there who may be listening to this going, yeah, you know, I'm not really on board with having kids either or I'm not really on board with adoption. What kind of advice would you be able to give them? Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of reasons I think that are good why not to have kids. Um, and, you know, I had a lot of reasons. I don't think that they were any good looking back, you know, because you're selfish or because you're, you're looking like, let's say it's not the right time because of your career or you don't have enough money or you don't live in the right place. A lot of times those are just, those are just excuses that, that you can always find, you know, it it seems like we'll always find a reason and it's never the right time and we never have enough money. I mean, we could be making, you know, $500,000 a year. We could be millionaires and we might say we don't have enough money, mm-hmm. you know, because that's just who we are. If we're kind of not in that frame of mind of wanting to have something or not wanting to do something, but I would say, you know, look at your motives. What are your motives? So, so if you say you don't want kids, is it, is it because you don't, you're just being selfish? It could also be confidence. I don't want to mess up a kid. I don't, I don't want to mess up my son or daughter. I don't, I don't want, you know, I'm scared that I won't be that good dad. And you know what? All of us are like that to a degree and none of us are good parents to start with. We grow into that. What you are is a good person, you know, and and if you love your wife or if you like people or you get along with people, then you're, you're on a healthy start to being a good dad. And and you are going to screw up as a dad. That's for sure it doesn't mean you're a bad dad. And I think a lot of times we think, at least I did at least. And, and I think there's probably other guys out there like me, but we think that, well, I'm going to screw up as a dad and that's going to make me a bad dad. Well, no, the same way if you screw up, you know, every once in a while as a husband or every day as a husband, it still doesn't make you a bad husband. Uh, it makes you a normal husband. And, and so you can still screw up, but can you recover from that? Can you bounce back? Can you learn from that? And so I think we, we struggle with that confidence issue and we don't need to, that, that doesn't need to be a huge concern. There's a lot of support out there. Um, that was one thing going through the, the adoption process. I felt like there was a ton of support. I don't know what the support is like if you're having a natural child, you know, a natural childbirth, but 
you know, man, there was a lot of support from Bethany Christian services. There was a lot of support from people going through the process at the same time as you. And so uh, I think you can draw upon that, you know, financially, it certainly can be expensive, no doubt about that, but so can natural, so can have an, yeah. uh, a natural child. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look at that as kind of a wash. I never really dove into the numbers, but from people I've talked to on both sides of the aisle, you know, it's going to cost m- kids cost money regardless. Yes. So, uh, you know, just chuck that up as that's a given. Um, so I don't think adoption necessarily, uh, costs, cost that much more or where it should be an excuse. And I know, I know on your show, you talk, uh, you give a lot of suggestions and ideas about how to cut down the cost of adoption. And so that's great. You know, so, so that's a way to definitely alleviate that fear. Yeah, absolutely. All great, great stuff. And I hope there's a lot of guys out there that are listening to this and hearing your voice and hearing your story because it's powerful. It can help. Hopefully it does help people get through their adoption journey and get on board with uh, building their family through adoption. Cause no matter what you, if you stick with it, you end up adopting, it's going to be a blessing in your life. It will be no, no doubt about that. Well, absolutely. Thank- and, and, you know, uh, you know, I work with a lot of, uh, kids, uh, you know, teenagers, young adults. I work with a lot of them in the athletic realm. Uh, teaching leadership, uh, teaching them basketball, whatever it is. And, and, you know, it's not just a cliche, but, you know, our, these children that we're going to work with or are that I deal with, or our children, you know, are our future and they're our next, they're the next generation. And if we want this, our communities, our, our, our world to be better, then we can have a hand in that. And when we raise up a kid, you know, in our own household, you know, we're not going to be perfect, but when we're raising them, we're having a a part in influencing and shaping the future of our communities. And so, you know, that, that goes a little deep, I know, but you know, when you, when you decide to adopt, um, you know, whether it's because you just want to add to your family or, or because you, you, uh, maybe can't have children naturally, you know, whatever the reason, when you adopt, you're giving a, a kid extra hope that maybe, you know, was in question, before you decided to adopt. Um, and, and you never know what will, how kids will turn out, but man, if you can adopt a kid and and raise them up and, and build them up, um, you know, to be respectful, to be responsible, you know, that that can help shape our future of our communities too. Yeah. Maybe you guys will have the next movie blindside Two. (laughs) (laughs) I would be, I would be very okay with being part of a major motion picture. That was a really good movie, by the way. That it, it was a it was a really cool that she actually his birth mom actually watched that movie or or watched the trailer and wanted that for her son. That is so cool. To, I could just picture that happening. That's just really amazing how that happened. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, I'd like you to share. Or what else would you like to share with the folks? I, we've we've talked about in the intro some of your your books and other things that you're doing. Um, how can folks uh, get a hold of you or get in touch with some of the things you got going on. Yeah. My website, they can go to coachbeckler.com. Uh, my Twitter is also coach Beckler, at coach Beckler. And, uh, uh, yeah, they, they can find my books there. They can find my podcast, uh, success is a choice podcast. Uh, they can find out a lot of the stuff I'm doing. And, and certainly, you know, the people listening to your, to your podcast right now, you know, they, they have children, 
um, or will be having children. And, uh, you know, especially if they're athletic children or involved in sports, you know, that you might be interested in some of the stuff I have, um, because we're trying to teach kids how to be better leaders, teach kids how to be better teammates and essentially to get along with one another and, uh, to be the best version of themselves that they can be. And so, uh, we, we try to do that. So, uh, some of my books might be interesting, uh, to you, um, you know, or at least store it away for when your kid gets a little bit older. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll put all those links in the show notes here. So you, anybody listening to this, don't have to write anything down. We can just go to the show notes for this episode and, uh, everything will be there. You can get in touch with Jamie and, and even uh, read some of these blog posts that he wrote about his adoption story. That's what, uh, I really enjoyed reading. So thanks again for coming on the show today, Jamie. I really love your story. I'm glad that we had a, we were able to find another guy out there that's willing to tell his story and, uh, <laughs> and be so open and honest with us. So I appreciate that. I I appreciate and and my wife appreciates it. She was here. I think she was uh, feeding me post-it notes, telling me what to say the whole time. <laughs> you know, um, no, but uh, no, I appreciate you having me on, Tim. Keep up the good work you're doing. All right, thanks a lot, Jamie. Appreciate it. All right. Wow. What an episode today. I love getting another guy's point of view. And Jamie did a great job sharing his story. And you can hear his honesty and all the things that he fought through going through his story. I really hope you get a lot out of this. And I would ask you to please, if you know somebody that might get something from his story, listening to his story, please share it on your social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere you have social media that you wanted, you think you could share this that another person could get something from hearing Jamie's story, please do that. And I'll make it easy for you to do that over at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 56 is the show notes. And there'll be easy places to go and share this episode. So I invite you to do that. And one thing I want to leave you with is, you know, by now that I love adoption profile videos. Hopefully you've heard that. Uh, I started a website called adoptionprofilevideo.com. Videos have worked great for us in all three of our adoption. I've had a lot of people ask me how we did it. You can get started right there, adoptionprofilevideo.com. You get three free videos to get started creating your own video. So thank you so much for listening. I love doing these episodes. Till next time, you are in my prayers as you go on the journey to build your family through domestic infant adoption. God bless you. Thanks for listening to my dad.